Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. That's me. And we are coming to you from the much more temperate Driven Radio Studios this week. It is no longer the temperature of Satan's belt buckle. I know. I didn't feel like uh, uh, Lucifer was farting on me with the, uh, all the oh, windows down. God, I've shit. got that Nissan, and if I run the air conditioner, it likes to die on the road. It's you don't have to weird. worry about that. And the weird thing is, we're going to get a couple days of 80s, and then we're going to get 60. Yeah. Which is, and then we're going to get snow. Yeah. Not, it, because it, why not? Yeah. Welcome to the Midwest. Little kids trick-or-treating with their costumes <laughs> over their snowsuits. That'll be fun. <laughs> Our special guest this week is Kate. Okay, Michael. <laughs> First run! Yeah. And guess what? We're leaving it in. That's special, all good, man. It's Our special good. guest this week is Kay Mikhail. Mikhail? Mikhail? Michael. 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 Hey, our hey, special Mike. our special guest this week is Michael Wallen, f- founder of Custom Mics. Yes. He was influenced by American Graffiti's portrayal of the 1960s cruising culture. Uh, Michael attended trade schools in Sweden to hone his skills in taking things <laughs> apart and putting them back together, eventually serving in the Swedish Army and the Swedish Air Force as an assistant repair group chief. In 1984, he brilliantly decided to relocate to the United States, where everything is wonderful. He immediately immersed himself in the Southern California car culture. Michael restores and customizes cars and bikes and captures the events and people of the of the custom culture. Michael, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And just for reference, I am in a hot studio over here in Texas. It's about 90 degrees. Oh, and in an RV yeah. on the way. Well, I imagine it's <laughs> it's warm in that RV. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us this week. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. When did you know you were a car person? Uh, and did, were your early influences, was it anybody in your family or somebody outside or <laughs> movies or TV? What put the idea in your head? Well, I mean, I have to give the credit to my dad. My dad was an aircraft engineer, always had something strange in the garage or a driveway or whatever. And, you know, so early on, I mean, he taught me to weld when I was like 10 Wow. And consequently, I, I hacksawed off the front forks of my sister's bicycles and then welded them together on mine so I could have a chopper. <laughs> Ingenious. And That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then I got a beating on my life and then uh, put them back together. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can I learn, Dad? Well, your sister didn't like that lowrider bicycle. Yeah, dog on it. Well, you know. It became a unicycle <laughs> far too early. Well, you don't you don't think as far through your ideas when you're ten or eleven. You know, Truth. So. <laughs> what were some of your uh, early favorite cars? Early favorite cars. I think the next one. I've had cars since <laughs> I was fourteen. You know, I started with bicycles and mopeds and all that type of stuff, but. And I cut the lawn for a guy a whole summer, and he gave me a 19, mid-60s BMC 1100, a little, it's almost like a Mini Cooper on steroids, a little four-door uh, uh, English thing. Oh, yeah. I drove that around our little driveway at home 
when I was 14 years old. And then my dad ended up using it for a commuter. But <laughs> You cut the grass all summer and then your dad stole your car. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of, you know. <laughs> Man, but, that's not you know, right. In our community, you know, I, and we talked about this uh, in the beginning, but, uh, you know, my dad took me to see American Graffiti, too. And, and in my little town, there was a big car club. And uh, Sweden overall has a very uh, deep American culture built into it, so to say. And, and most Swedes work on cars. You only have three or four months in the summer to cruise. And then the rest of the time they're up on blocks and you're fixing everything. So you learn a lot and you work a lot of that stuff. And, you know, in a town we were like three or 4,000 people and you saw all those cars and we lived right on one of the main drags. So I could look out my window and I could, I think after a couple of years, I knew who was coming down the road just by hearing them, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I had a little touch of that myself from time to time. After Learning how to weld super early. See, other people can learn how to weld, Mark. Oh, rub it in. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Apparently, he's really good at it. He didn't just burn holes in a bike. Shut up, he built a chopper. Oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah, when he was 10. That's great. That's great. I love this story. I'm going to have a teeny you know, I still have the picture. I don't remember <laughs> who took a picture, but I'm, I'm actually on the bike with Hanawars. I have a USA t-shirt on, and I have bell-bottom... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeans on that are, that are too short and i'm sitting on the bike and i'm the proudest little kid around you know coolest kid in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah, absolutely so at least for five minutes you know. <laughs> where'd you get your professional start with cars where did you start working on them in a professional capacity uh i actually went down to the local gas station when i was about 12 and started just hanging around and sweeping floors and eventually he put me to work and i worked there almost every night after school for five, six days a week and uh, learned a lot. Through his encouragement, I actually went in and did the two-year mechanic school. And then at the end of that, he, he asked me, what are you going to do now? And I go, well, I'm going to come work here. And he goes, are you crazy? He goes, <laughs> you have the best life ever. He goes, why don't you go learn how to fix the car? Now, mechanically, it was good, but it looked like crap. So he said, why don't you go learn the body, body stuff? And and I'm like, I thought about it. And it's like, he's right. I'm living at home. I have cars. I, you know, they work fine. I can go there and work at night. And going to school wasn't that hard. So I went back, and uh, and the principal had never never had this happen before. But I walked in and said, "Can I join the body class?" And so he he kind of like, "Hang on a second. He just sat back and he goes, "I'll be right back." And he walked away and he came back in. He goes, "Okay, you're in next semester." And <laughs> and I took the two year body paint and frame school. Uh, after that, and I had actually had a a German teacher who worked at Mercedes Benz factory making right and left fenders by oh, hand. By hand, yeah. Wow. I mean, they had machinery there, but it, you know, it, it was he was a good guy. He taught me a lot of stuff. And when I uh, grinded on him for a while after being there for about six eight months, I told him like I need I wanted to bring my car in, which was uh, at that time was a sixty. I think that was a 65 or 60 Volvo with a Mercedes front clip on it. And I wanted to chop it and French it and do all this stuff to it. And I had already made a, a two-door conversion on it from a four-door. I worked on it for about three months. And I said, you know, French it a tail. It's the same as that station and that station. And, and you know, chopping the top is that station and that station and that station. And I just kept at it every week, just got at him. And then finally he goes, 
okay, bring the damn car in here, but if you don't finish it, you get an F and you need to take it all over. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, but I did, I did finish it, and then we actually was one of, it was me and another guy was top of the class, so, which was kind of cool. You mentioned that living in Sweden, you only get about three or four months to cruise and drive and enjoy your car, and the rest of the year you're working on them. What was the car culture like when you were growing up in Sweden, and what kind of cars were you able to drive and wrench on? What did you get to work on? Oh, it's I got to work on a lot of stuff, but you know, I had I've had the '64 Fairland, '69 Pontiac Firebird, '72. Roadrunner with full 46 packs. Oh. And I've also had a bunch of junk, Volvo PVs, Volvo Dreads, and whatever you ended up having to, to cruise in. And then in the car club, and I'm still with that club, Wildcats Car Club, in the area where I spent most of my time, a little bit outside Gothenburg. Uh, they had about 15, 20 different American cars that we always tinkered around with. And, you know, I've, I've been, I mean, if you look at it from, Vintage cars per capita. We probably got more American cars, old American cars <laughs> per capita in Sweden than you do here in the United States. <laughs> you know, when I went, I went to Power Meet this summer, and there was probably, well, a couple of years ago, they had 14 Cadillac Eldorado Bridge convertibles in a row. Ooh, 59 and 60. 14 in a row. <laughs> and when I was there this summer, there must have been in excess of 30 or 40, uh, 59 and 60 Cadillacs there. I think there's a total of over, over 950, 59 and 60 coupes and convertibles in Sweden alone. Wow. You see, Ed, what's kind of funny, Michael, is uh, I've been pissing and moaning for how many years now about, oh, Sweden, and you know, they're all buying all my Chryslers. And now, I, <laughs> and now there's proof. Proof. <laughs> well, well, I mean, here's, the, here's the other side of that, Mark, is that now and for the last couple of years, you know, the Swedish Swedish crown is down against the dollar. And so now it's really affordable to go over there and, and buy a hundred point restoration, accurate, super restored vehicle, you know, out of the Cadillacs and the Impalas. And, and they're starting to go back this way because oh. now you, you can't get the type of restoration that most of the Swedes do. You ain't got a hair on your ass if you don't go get yourself a car. (laughs) I actually, I bought a 59 59 Buick's flat top this summer. Oh, God. Yeah. And I was over there. Well, Michael, you got to remember something, though. Mark only likes the cars that look like they came from the home for the visually offensive. He, he only wants okay. it if it's ugly. It's got to be hideously ugly. It's it's got to be the mobster that didn't get a high school education. And That's it's got to be longer than an aircraft carrier. You're damn right. If you can play badminton on a hood, I'm good. <laughs> I got big tastes. Uh, I I think yeah. you've been looking on the wrong Facebook. You got to look over. And... Hell, I've been looking at the wrong country. <laughs> yeah, you got to look at. Sweden, really got to expand yeah. my uh, circle. <laughs> you, you may have to have Michael as a translator. Nice. So language, language is not an issue. How do you say I know what I got in Swedish? <laughs> You'll be a twelve horse. Yeah, there it is. Anytime I hear that, I gotta go. You're gonna have to run that back. So the other thing about the Swedes too is that most of the guys that are into the culture like this, they're really straightforward about the cars. There's, yeah. there's no monkey around over there, or very little of it anyway. You know. 
Mark had a pastor lie to him. Yeah, I have, I have not had oh good luck. Oh, my God. It, was, it sucked, <laughs> man. It's, it's like, you? Even you? He, uh, yeah. he had a preacher straight up lie to him about a car. Yeah, that was down in Arkansas. Arkansas oh, preacher. Well, you know well, yeah, okay. And he moved, he moved back to Texas, uh, Michael, so beat his ass for me. <laughs> okay. Go Swedish style. Well, I promise. You got but, it. There's a thought. <laughs> so what prompted you to move to the U.S. in the 80s, and how old were you? You Didn't you move here around 84 or 85? Yeah, the late 84 is when we came over here, and late 83 is where me and my friend Hokan was working on his 64 Grand Prix. And there was no heat in my garage, and we would cuddle up with a bunch of stuff and welding and doing stuff. And there was so much snow outside, I had those bifold doors. Mm-hmm. We couldn't even open the doors or nothing. And, and I, I remember laying there, and, and you know you have your welding helmet on, and your neck get all tired. So you just set a stop and lay your head down just to rest your muscles for a bit. And I looked underneath, and Hulkin was laying the same way on the other side. And I, I don't know who said it first, but it's like, hey, you know, we should be laying on a, on a, in the beach in Long Beach, drinking beer and looking at beautiful American women. <laughs> and uh, that kind of set it off. And then over the next year, we sold off stuff and planned and did that. And then we came in for the road trip of the life, you know, the bucket list item type of thing. And um, the reality is, I'm still on it. Nice. How old were you? Uh, I was just in my early 20s. Okay. Moving to Southern California or moving to the U.S. at all, uh, what was it like coming here as a a car and motorcycle enthusiast? Well, at first, you know, you're intimidated by the language, just like you're talking about going to Sweden. Sure. uh, You know, we we came here and we did a tourist bid in New York and we went down to Miami where his parents had friends and we stayed there for a while and bought a 73-year-old 98 four-door hardtop which is essentially Motel 6 on wheels. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> you know, for two 20-year-old idiots that are coming <laughs> to drive through the United States. And we actually started the trip to drive all the way out to Key West, Florida, to put our feet in the water, crack open a beer, and look at some beautiful American women. Then we had dinner, turned the car around, and started our trip. And from that point on, uh, we spent over 10,000 miles driving across just up and down and here and there and back. And when things got boring, we turned around and went back to the last place. And I think it was one time we did like 600 miles back to the last fun place. And then we drove north for a couple hundred miles and started going across again. But in that process, we met so many people and did so many different things and got to see so many different, uh, not only correlated, that was obviously a focus, but, the trip in itself was just a trip of a lifetime. And really, we only had four goals. New York, Miami, uh, southernmost point, Long Beach, and then, uh, you know, well, I never I never got past San Francisco. That's when things turned sideways. But uh, then we were going to back to New York and go home, and I just never made it home. Out of curiosity, uh, compared to – how big is the U.S. compared to Sweden? Uh, Sweden is about – the size of California. Oh, wow. wow. It's got 10, 10, 11 million people in it. So while you're driving across the country, are you ever thinking, uh, how big is this place? How much more of it is there to see? Uh, what were your thoughts as you were traveling the country? <laughs> when you drive across the 
Mississippi and that area and your own <laughs> bridges most of the time. And all you see is swamps and crocodiles and other stuff. <laughs> you start to wonder. And, and it's the same. I mean, we just came across the Continental Divide again uh, with the Roadster in the 55. And I'm like, I have a Finnish friend with me, uh, Jan Lepola, a customizer from Finland. And, uh, you know, he was reflecting on the scenery and the amount of time it takes for the scenery to change. And it took two days for the scenery to change, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, because it's just desert and bushes and desert and bushes and more of that. And then it goes up and down a little bit and then more bushes and desert. <laughs> uh, and for him, you know, when, when people look at the American dream, they think that things happen every three miles, but there's, you know, no, uh, <laughs> no. not really. So, but, it, you know, you got to make these things. Uh, I mean, who in the world could be so fortunate to see United States? I have seen more of the United States than most Americans have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gone across it uh, five times, I think. Wow, wow, no kidding. And I've been, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I have been, I have met car people, and I've been getting goosebumps. I am friends with so many cool people in this industry yeah. that I dreamed of when I was 13, 14 year old, laying in my bed reading the car magazines and having posters up. I never in my wildest dream thought I'd meet them, and now I'm friends with most of the people that were in the magazines when I was a kid. What was kind of surprising? for me is as I was uh, looking through your photos on Facebook, I was seeing a bunch of other people I already know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the the car community is uh, simultaneously a real small world, but it's it's yes. it's worldwide. It's all over the world. And yep. it's uh, that's really cool. I enjoy that part of it for the uninitiated. What is custom culture if you can explain it and what about it appeals to you well i mean you know custom culture is kind of hard to define you know a custom car is a like Anna says a reflection of the owner and his wishes and you know his visions uh, and that means different things to different people uh, and I, you know there's been argument or whether it's custom with a c or a custom with a k and you know, the K kind of came from George Barberis from a marketing perspective yeah. to, to set it apart. But for me and, and for Jan and many other people that are my age, the, the custom culture, uh, you know, they're all kind of part of it. And we kind of tend to focus on the 40s and 50s, more traditional old school style custom uh, that was done in that era. And, you know, there are thousands of other influences, too, on the, in the concept injury industry or low-volume production stuff or special order uh, coach-built vehicles and purses and all those things. They're all custom. They're not OEM, but whether they're custom with a K or custom with a C is kind of like whatever you want to call it. Type sure. thing. But, but it is a very small niche of people that truly understand and live the culture uh, uh, most people like to buy a car and feel like they're part of the culture versus living it. And Jan, for example, he lives it the whole way. I mean, he, he builds customs in Finland. He come here and he spent time with Bill Hines. I mean, all the big names he spent time with and helped and, and try to learn from. His biggest thing is learning as much as possible 
in the time that he has to live. And this has led him to meet some really extraordinary people. And that's why he's here with me, because I find it extremely inspirational to have him here to see. He, I kind of see me my, in myself in the 20s in him. And I want to help him kind of go a little bit. So part of what we're doing here is our journey back to California. We're going to try to stop at uh, some customizers on the way. And we have uh, a, a birthday party with Rod Powell on Saturday or Sunday. And Rod Powell was another one of my mentors and, and guiding light when I first came here. I actually painted my first candy job in Rod Powell's booth in Salinas. Oh, cool. And in between coats, it's kind of funny too, you know, I called him, I, I need to rent your booth. I'm going to do a candy paint job on Glenn Stegman's Buick. And he goes, okay. And he goes, you need five days. No, I'll get it done in three days. And he just laughed. No, you need five days. <laughs> five days. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> he was very, um, very accommodating. But in between coats, I got to sit in his office and flip through his little drawing books and stuff. And the guy is an artist beyond belief. And I was just, it was five days of indoctrination to see in his art. Every page was just blowing my mind. And he's just the epitome in the custom culture per se, especially in the Salinas, uh, out of the Salinas area, so to say. He was a, uh, a huge influence on a lot of vehicles and a lot of, lot of uh, uh, people like me. You know, there's a lot of youngsters that came through him um, through the years. You, know. you have millions of fans and followers on social media and you're you're always posting uh, uh lots of stuff from cool shops and events you're at uh how did that happen and to what do you attribute it how did you garner this following sometimes it's kind of i don't know <laughs> but you know it, it's like it, it started really I, I was working for an insurance company for a, for a long time and traveled a lot throughout California. And I was bored, you know, doing the hotel after hotel of hotel or rent the car this and then. And my wife actually bought me a little uh, Nikon Coolpix S6000, one of those little foldable ones. And I started, instead of laying in a hotel room, uh, I started going to the cruise nights and stuff, taking pictures. And I just started to uh, played with MySpace and this, that, and the other. And then Facebook came along and I'm like, ah, that looks like a good one. So I started there. And in the beginning, it was more for myself. It's like having a place to put my cool pictures. So I made little albums of the two tones and chop tops and, and French lights and this, that, and the other. And then through my own growth journey, I looked for a quote every day that suited me. And I put that in there. And then people started liking all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. This is my stuff. Leave it alone. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and that kind of just grew. And then people started sharing stuff with me. And, and then it kind of became kind of a support group in ways, not something that was meant. It just kind of grew that way. But then, then I thought, Oh, I should, I should try to promote custom mics to shop. And I, I pushed and prodded and tweaked and bent and, and nothing worked. And then I gave up one Thanksgiving and I go, you know what? How about if I just serve the community? So I made a, a Thanksgiving album with all the coolest things I could find was like a couple of hundred pictures. Of and I'm like, here, here you go. Here's all the best things I found. And from that point on, there was a couple of years we grew by like thousands a week. And and even for almost a year, it was like 5,000 a week. 
it was just insane, you know, and, and all I was trying to do was just serve. I went to the car show and the cruise nights because I needed to get out of my head in a hotel room and enjoy life. And, and the travel allowed me to go to a bunch of different places. And then I got to, hey, as you go visit Rod Powell or Art Hemsel or, you know, uh, there's just so many to go see when you're out and you land somewhere that you weren't aware of. And, and, and one day I was traveling to Northern California and this guy sent me uh, uh, a message on Facebook. He's like, hey, if it weren't for custom mics, I wouldn't have survived the last eight and a half months. Like, okay. And chatted away. And so I, I realized that he lived like close to the hotel that I was staying at. So I, I but the shuttle came. So I jumped on a shuttle, flew up there, and then I'm on a shuttle back out the rental car. I'm like, hey, you know, you're close by. You want to go for a burger or something? Because I'm like, I got to eat. You know, I don't want to sit in a hotel room. So uh, I don't know. Hang on. You know, so he disappears for a little bit and comes back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here's, the, here's my address, blah, blah. So I go there, and he had been in an accident and busted both of his leaves and, and his back, I think. Oh. Yeah, and he was in his 30s, you know. Oh, man. And he'd been in a bed, a medical bed, in his front room for eight and a half months. Oh, lordy. With surgeries and this, that, and the other. Excuse me. He's standing outside the house when I pull up ice bags on his knees and crutches and as white as a sheet. And I'm like, oh, what have I got myself into? And <laughs> then his friend shows up, Scott, which turns out to be one of our dream team members, Scott Strickland. He shows up and we help him into the van and we take him down to the local uh, hamburger joint. And he got through maybe 20 minutes of uh, eating part of a hamburger before he kind of petered out. And, and uh, we take him back and his wife fell we helped him put him back in bed, and he goes out almost immediately. And we're chatting with the wife, and she's like, "Yeah, this is the first time he's been out of the house in eight and a half months." Wow! You know, but that whole thing, and a few other messages, but that really was the shift. It's like, that's how I serve. That guy lived vicariously through the page, yeah. and through my experiences while he was locked in the bed, for eight and a half months. That's incredible. Nice. And, and so I'm like, and, and there isn't, you can't buy that stuff. No. I can't go to a marketing agency and order that. You know, I can try, but, you know, <laughs> I don't want to. It's, you know, this is, this is not about money. This is about this culture and t- taking care of each other. That is. It absolutely nice. is. So custom mics is more than just a brick and mortar business. And uh, obviously with your followers and everybody, and it's become a lifestyle for your followers. What are your plans for custom mics over the next few years? Allow it to happen. <laughs> you know, but that's the whole thing. If I if I push, I, I just get pushback. If I just do the best I can with what's around me, uh, things explode. Even this trip, I didn't know. You know, Johnny comes and he goes, hey, Peter needs to move and he's going to go here. And I'm like, if he pays for the fuel, let's roll. So he paid for all the gas and, you know, so we hauled them here and all this stuff. And we just offloaded like a couple hours ago. Oh, wow. And that's what pushed it, you know. So that's why we're sitting here in the middle of Texas. <laughs> we, we're, we're an hour off, away from offloading and uh, or after offloading. And now we, we have a trip back. We're just taking a different route. I'm going to try to hit a few fun spaces. And But also it's just about we stop and we meet people and 
it doesn't there's no direction it's just organically grows i love it. i you love know. it i think that's a brilliant approach i really do yeah. uh but also I, we get to live yeah. like we live in the now in a whole different way you know i understand you've got some business plans for sweden well uh, my dad passed away and left a little bit of money and with the exchange rate being like almost 12 to 1 so i get 12 swedish crowns for one us dollars I took some of my 401k and shoved it that way, and we bought a house. It's actually it was an it's an old commercial building. Oh. It's been a print shop, a machine shop, and for the last 50 year, a plumbing store slash warehouse and office. And so that's going to be where we're going to have customized shenanigans, which I don't know what they are yet. But the the whole bottom floor is machine shop space, and then we cut a hole in the wall so we could. We could drive the Buick and my buddy's travel trailer, the old old travel trailer in there for the winter. And then I'm going to go back next summer and spend three months there. And I bought the Buick to leave there. Uh, it's a 59 flat top, four-door hardtop. It, sound, it sounds like you're describing every car guy's dream house. Oh, my God, yeah. I've got a bedroom with a warehouse attached to it. See yes. how much stuff <laughs> yes. I can stick in it. Yes. And what was my goal and, in life when I was younger? Car, American girls. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a guy who owns a warehouse, I get it. I absolutely get it. <laughs> and we like American girls, uh, I, too. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, my dream, my ultimate wet dream would be a, a concrete tilt-up, 10,000 square foot with an apartment in the corner upstairs so you can look at all the cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Survey your kingdom. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely but I don't think my that. wife will buy that. Three questions real quick. Uh, okay. what's currently in your collection? I understand you're a Harley guy. Uh, so what bikes do you have in your collection? Tell us, tell us what you have. And do you have stuff both stateside and in Sweden? I have more stuff than I should have. I have been very fortunate. Most of them are projects. I like the journey of the bill more than I like cleaning them. So most of them disappear after I'm done and I buy another project or, uh, or take one out of the collection. But most of the stuff I have are in the 50s. There's a couple of 40s. There's some 50s, some 60s uh, projects. I, I have another, I'm building another Volvo wagon. That's going to be a Phantom Miniature Mercury uh, delivery with a IROC C28 plant, power plant, and T-Bird interior, Tudor hardtop, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, and I have a hearse. I have a 48 packet hearse that's on a crew cap dually chassis, which is chopped and channeled, and are now getting 58 Cadillac fins and uh, sheet metal accents and gulling doors and a few other things. Gulling? <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. You know, the back doors they used to go out suicide style, and they're coming up this side because of the wider stance of the dually tires and the 58 uh, because why not flower yeah, car yeah you know <laughs> well it's what i had it's what i had it's what the i back had of my shirt going around is the saying is do the best you can with what you have and i've been dragging that stuff around and a friend of mine came and he goes do you still have that and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> my friends come here they do shenanigans and uh that's how we do a bunch of crazy stuff and, and, I mean, we do anything from three-wheeled West Coasters to 48-packet purses. It really doesn't matter. And then when I need to clean out my head, I jump on my 2019 Road Guide Special. There you go. 
which is called uh, The Black Mistress. And I usually only need 10 minutes, but it usually, it, sometimes it takes 10 hours. Uh, yeah, I absolutely understand that. I had a bunch of Harleys through my garage, got a couple in there now. And yeah. uh, it, it's uh, sometimes you just got to go get the wind in your hair. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, usually it's a 10 minutes and then I'm just. <laughs> well, sometimes it's 10 it's minutes. Sometimes it's a full tank of gas. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. or several. I don't mind. Uh, you, Sometimes no. I go for a day or two. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to be able to get away. Uh, all right, yeah. Mike. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> I was talking with John about that earlier. Do you know uh, Taylor Street in San Francisco? I, I do not. Okay, where the Broadway tunnel is, as you come up on a tunnel, you can take a side street and go up two if i remember correctly and then you turn right and then it goes really steep up and then there's a short half a block flat spot and then it goes down again it's been in several movies is that the streets of san francisco one where they scrape up that uh what 68 galaxy jumping on that yes nice <laughs> okay the okay, story here. has a good start here we go <laughs> I, I i cleared the flat spot Oh God! I landed halfway down the other side with my '70 Cadillac convertible. Oh, and my mom in the, with my mom in the front seat. Holy crap! Oh my God! <laughs> I, I'm I'm wanting to know. Landed, can you tell us what your mom was saying? Was she swearing in Swedish? What was she? Well, we can't say that on radio. I don't think <laughs> you can say it on but here. I can brother. say it on here. It's okay. <laughs> say it in Swedish. That makes it sexy. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> When we landed, the battery broke loose and welded itself to the bottom of the hood. Oh, so God. I had to screech to a stop, get a thing up, and break the battery off the bottom of the hood. Oh. While my mother was uh, spewing uh, words that we don't recognize. <laughs> oh, my God. A, a 70 Caddy is a big piece of car- hardware to have airborne yes, sun. Now, what did that yes. do to your suspension, too? Because... You know, all of that weight landing on that, I, I can't, well, I should ask first, did you have the suspension built out to be able to withstand something like this? I was in my early 20s. What okay, do you so now no. yeah, the thing no. was stock. Oh, my God. Did it have like a nice little But crease? I worked in a body shop. I worked in a body <laughs> shop, and I was a data line or frame specialist, so it went up on there after that I, oh I'm, to get a little bit of a tug. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering how many things got bent on, on landing. You know, they always say, more than I want to know. They, they always say speed kills. Nuh-uh. It's the sudden stop. stop. No, I think it's more like youth kills. <laughs> well, not necessarily youth. It's the stupidity that attends it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But man, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> we, I probably shouldn't say this, but we jumped that thing more than we should have in those early days. I can't say what I jumped when I was a kid because my dad listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> and there, he's got just enough left in him to beat the hell out of you yeah, one he, more time. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's 80, but he's a spry 80. <laughs> and well, he's got a cane, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. His knees are better than mine. <laughs> he can catch you. Exactly. Yes, he can. He absolutely can. Probably in a golf cart. We've been speaking with Mike Wallen. Mike, can you please take a moment and tell us where we can find you online and on social media? 
Custom likes with one M. Just search it. It'll come up anywhere. You'll fill the first page of Google. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Patreon. Just about X anywhere. Twitter. Yeah, just about anywhere. We do most of our stuff on Facebook and YouTube. Just search. But it spills over into there, and there's links everywhere back and forth. And Just search for you know. Custom Mike, C-U-S-T-O-M-I-K-E-S. Custom, yep. with, custom Mics with one M. Mike, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you guys for joining us at Custom now, the, the first thing that I'm thinking is when you were in your early 20s, would you have had the sack enough to pack up everything in your life and move to a foreign country? It, it sounded like they didn't start out intending to move. They were just going to come here and drive around and see the country. Yeah. And, you know, buy a, a ginormous Buick to go drive around in. God. And he's not kidding, man. The, those those old Buicks, the sucker, why would you get a hotel room? It's like having a couple of couches. Well, yeah, you've got two bench seats that are huge. Yeah, but would you have had the sack <laughs> to pack up your life, leave, go someplace you don't know, and you barely know anybody there, you know, friends of friends or friends of parents, go tour around the country and then say, yeah, this looks better than snow. I think I'm staying. No, no, I, I wouldn't. I would have daydreamed about it. But I never would have had the guts I, to do something I like that. I always admire when I hear people making a gigantic move like that in their life. And then just bringing his talent and his passion and making it all work out. Clearly, he's done amazing things since he's been here. He's got millions of followers online. Yeah. it's That's really, really impressive to me. Yeah. Well, in, in addition to being a very nice, very humble human being. Yeah, he was so cool. I, it was just it was fun to talk to him before we uh, uh, did the show. And, and you know, just a, a good all around guy. Are you still mad at the Swedes? Uh, yeah, but not him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I well, you guys were talking. I, of course, I went on to Facebook to no, Stockholm, Stockholm Sweden. And I did a 250 mile search, which is basically the whole damn country. And oh, my God. The number of uh, uh, 60, 61, 62 Chryslers popping up in great condition at decent prices because it's uh, right None now. None of them owned by preachers from Arkansas. No, no, sons of bitches. Uh, <laughs> nine cents on the dollar. So, you know, you're talking 159,000 uh, Swedish krona and you're talking 14.3 uh, American. Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, are you rubbing your hands together? Oh, What's it cost to fill a shipping container? 10000 <laughs> <laughs> That's what I found out from our guest last well, week, and I'm like, ah, oh, crazy. We're going to have to put a, a couple cars in one container and get it shipped here. I bet Mikhail knows, uh, he knows somebody. He I might bet, know a person I who knows a person. I bet he does. I've got a fishing be trawler to... that I'll put a boat on and bring it on. Well, there you go. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Man, if you can't find something here and you got to go there to do it, we'll talk to Mike. But yeah. God bless. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, a, I'm all good. I'll get there. Someday my unicorn's going to finally come stumbling in, drunk, hungover, 
but it'll be my unicorn and I'll get it. Dude, you should have bought that red convertible we found two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Period. <laughs> it still stings. Yeah, I know it does. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as a Driven Radio Show podcast. If you have a story you would like to have told or something interesting you'd like to discuss, you can reach me at brett at drivenradioshow.com. I am Brett Hatfield from Mark L. Groves. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. (laughs) 